right, guys, we are back. Episode two, kicking in with the grid. Thanks for listening again. We hope you guys enjoyed the first episode. Again, myself, Brendan, here are my boys, Blake and Trevor. Uh, we're looking, you know, last time we covered the top 25 teams, 11 through 25. Tonight, we're breaking into the, the top 10, the teams that are immediately trying to vie for a playoff position, teams that, are, you know, have a lot returning, have a lot of promise. Uh, so we're, we're going to we're gonna get into these guys and, and let's see what they've got, you know, break it down, schedules and all that. Uh, first off, we got number, we got number 10, Washington. Uh, they, they return a lot. They've got great quarterback play with Michael Penix Jr. They've got a kind of tough, uh, slate of schedule there in November, uh, starting off with Boise State. But I, I think this is a team that can make some, uh, some impact in the Mount or in the Pac-12. And, uh, they're, they're going to be a really fun team to watch coming up, uh, Boise State first on their slate. Dude, I'll tell you what, I like I like Washington a lot. Um, and I like their the transfers that they've been able to bring in. I like the Mississippi I like the Mississippi State transfer, Dylan Dylan Johnson. <laughs> he he averaged about five and a half yards in twenty twenty two, which is not bad for the SEC. He didn't get a lot of play time, so I think he's he's ripe a big year potentially. They also brought in Zagata out of Arizona State who also was averaging around five and a half yards, but both are sub-440 uh, running back. So I think that adds a lot of speed to, to Washington that maybe they did not have last year. Penix Jr., like you said, coming back, I really do like him as a quarterback. I think he's probably the, in my opinion, he's probably better in some ways than USC's quarterback. But then again, the guy won the Heisman last year, so, you know, whatever. As far as with Washington, Last year's offensive production was pretty decent. It was on the upper echelon of the top. Top. They were. They averaged about thirty nine point seven yards or point thirty nine point seven average points per game, which is I I, I think it's in the top ten. I uh, don't want to be don't want to get quoted on that, but I'm pretty sure it's close. Uh, what else do I got? I got their schedule. The schedule's tough. I have them having a tough time at Michigan State. I have them having a tough time against USC, and I have a tough – and then basically the entire November slate is rough to end their season. USC, at USC, Utah, at Oregon State, and then Washington State. Uh, that's a stretch of games that not many people are going to be able to come out uh, 4-0 on. I don't think that they will, personally. Washington, I do not think that they will survive that stretch without at least one loss, potentially two. Um, that's pretty much all I got on the schedule. Yeah, I agree. Just to reiterate, uh, Michael Penix, he's a, he's a beast of a quarterback. But if they're going to be successful this year, their defense is what's going to have to step up. Uh, I was reading that they had – they only forced like 12 turnovers on the season last year. <clears throat> they're lost to Arizona State, lost to UCLA. Their defense is going to have to pull up if they're going to be successful. The November stretch is brutal. They got Oregon, Utah. Utah is their biggest game of the season, probably November 11th. We'll just have to 
see if they can get through that. I don't see them doing it, though, either. I, I see them getting one or two losses. I'm with you guys on, on Washington. I, I think their offense is going to do really good things. Uh, that that schedule at the end of November is, is tough. USC, Utah, Oregon State, uh, Washington State. And like you said, Blake, their, their past defense last year was horrible. Uh, so if they don't shore that up, they're, they're going to have some troubles. Offensively, uh, they, uh, they was only behind Tennessee offensively last year. They was number two in the nation. They was number one passing offensively overall. Yeah, they they they're gonna score points. You know, they're they're gonna do it. They're gonna move the ball. And uh, old Michael Penix, man, he's he's gonna be a Heisman contender. I think uh, late late year. It just depends on the team. Yeah. Uh, you know, and how the rest of them do. So let's uh, let's drive on. We got Clemson at nine. This, this is a team that's really intriguing. Uh, last year, they seemed just kind of down, even though they won eleven games. Uh, but they just did not seem like the the Clemson team that won those two titles. And granted, the ACC is a lot easier than <laughs> other conferences, right? Um, so they they're a team that they're they've got a lot of talent. They're returning it a lot of players. Uh, they've got a schedule that sets up not bad again, their ACC, but they still have to play Florida State. They will play a revamped Notre Dame team, UNC that we're not really all high on, and then a South Carolina team that's going to be a gutsy game. Uh, that That's the big ones that I'm seeing on, on there. The rest is, it should be pretty simple for them with the talent that they have. Uh, returning four to five offensive linemen. You know, they got uh, uh, Klubnik back at quarterback. The dude's a gamer. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Shipley at halfback. Dude, he's a beast too. Mm-hmm. So they're, they've got it. They can make a run. Uh, they just have to control their own destiny, you know. I think if Clemson can get past Florida State, though, I think they can run the table in the ACC. It's going to come down to those two teams, in my opinion, in the ACC. Uh, whichever one. It's, they play mid-September, late September, I think. And uh, that'll be the biggest game probably for both teams in the ACC. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys on just about everything y'all said so far, schedule-wise, player-wise. Uh, a couple additions that I think I, I really am curious to see what this offense looks like with Garrett Riley at the helm. Because really, I am super curious to see if any of that TCU offense, also offensive schemes, can translate with the talent. If it can translate with the talent that Clemson usually has as far as speed, strength, and all that stuff, I think it's a dangerous combination. <clears throat> I agree. I also want I want to I, I want to make a mention that I know that there's been one particular addition I've. Didn't write his name down. I knew I was gonna. I knew I was gonna forget that. But I know Devo San, Devo Sweeney, um, was very, is very high on this. I'm gonna forget this kid's name. Uh, he's a freshman. He, they, they they are looking to have this guy be as part part of the rotation on the D line as a freshman, which tells you a lot about what the way Devo Sweeney feels about him. Um. Also, I am not a fan of their quarterback. Who was it? Yeah, Klubnik. 
Ludvig, is that how you pronounce it? Klubnik? Whatever. Club me in the face because he's the most boring quarterback in the ACC. Like, seriously. Um, at best, he's a game manager. But he's not no natty material. But, <laughs> but that's all I got in close. I, I'm super curious. Like you said, Blake, Florida State's the game. Um, one, the winner of that game probably wins the ACC more than Did likely. Did you like Hugo Bailey better at Clemson? Would you like Clemson better had Ugalele stayed at Clemson? Yeah, I would. Mm. Interesting. I, I'm I'm interested too because I I think he's I think he's solid. I obviously uh, Florida State's you know got got the premier guy at, at quarterback it seems, but um, I don't know. I, I think Clemson's really going to have a chance this year. The the pass defense. It, Last year was seventy uh, sixth in the in the nation. Uh, that's not going to cut it when it comes to the playoffs. They might make it in the ACC, yeah. but uh, they they got to fix that. Moving over, uh, next team up, you know, another ACC uh, power back. They're back in at Florida State. This is a team that everybody is high on. They're hyping up. They had a they had a hell of a run last year at the end. Uh, Jordan Travis is back at the at quarterback. They got eight starters returning on the offensive line, uh, or on offense, excuse me. Uh, they had a top ten offense. Uh, they brought in some some good transfers. They got a beast at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe. Uh, sorry, sorry, don't mean to interrupt you. So sorry, don't mean to interrupt you, B. But uh, I think you skipped over Penn State there, bro, boss man. I, I very well might have. But <laughs> Penn State. Penn, Penn State's at eight. Penn State at eight. Penn, Penn State. Yeah, that's right. Penn State's at eight, brother. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're at eight. Uh, Florida State's at seven. My yeah. bad on that. Really? So. I got Florida State at eight. Yeah. Clemson sure. nine, Florida State eight. Penn State, wait, hold up. Penn State outdid freaking Florida State? I'm wrong? Really? I wrote that shit. Whatever, fucking eight. I'm sorry, dude. You know what? This is the real podcast right now. You know it's real when this shit happens. Because this is fucking... I'm, I'm dyslexic. I don't know my fucking numbers. Hey, I'm embarrassed for you. Hey, I. What? <laughs> I made the foul up last week saying that Colorado had already gone to the Big Twelve. It's gonna happen. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's nighttime. We're all chatting. Um, but uh, it's all good. We just have a bunch of boys talking about football. It is. All, it's all good. There's there's me putting my foot in the mouth, foot in my mouth right out the gate. Ten minutes in. Hey, Fuck yeah. hey we'll re- we'll remember this moment. Um, we'll, we'll kind of shift back into uh, to old Florida State here. Um, <laughs> they said they got they got a big off they got a top ten offense. These guys are going to do it. Jordan Travis, he was a beast last season. Uh, again, drunk Johnny Wilson out wide. The dude is huge. He's like six seven, six eight wide receiver. They brought in Keon Coleman from uh, Michigan State. Really, one of Michigan State's only good players uh, shifted down to to, to uh, Tallahassee. Uh, they had a really good defense. Uh, 
They brought in uh, Fentrell Cypress from UVA, which was an all-ACC cornerback. Uh, their, their problem, though, is that that schedule. Um, yeah. You know, they, they can afford a loss. I, I think they – I don't think they can afford two. And they play mm-hmm. at LSU – or, yeah, against LSU to start. They've got Clemson. Yep. And then Florida. That Florida team's going to be strange. Uh Really, the rest of the ACC schedule is, again, not tough, but that that's three big games, and it's a rivalry game against Florida. So that, you know, that always matters. But we'll you see if they can make it through. You can't sleep on Miami either in the ACC. Uh, they're going to have a pretty solid team this year too. And uh, I agree with everything you said. Uh, Jordan Travis, he's a phenomenal quarterback, and it's just – can they keep him healthy? They have plenty of weapons for him on offense. Their defense, it's much improved. Historically, they've been solid, but the past, what, five, six years has been awful. And, you know, I think they was a top 15 defense last year. Um, big turnaround. So we'll, uh, we'll see if they can continue that. But I agree with you about the schedule part. They can probably lose one. If, if they drop an out-of-conference like a Florida or LSU, they have to go undefeated in conference play. Um, they're not going to let a – I don't think a one-loss ACC gets into the playoff this year. Yeah, well, here's the thing about Florida State is I did not pick them to uh, win the ACC this year. So I'm going to hold true to that. And I'll tell you this, the main reason it's not for lack of talent. It's not for the lack that they are, they're not, they're going to walk into most games being the favorite. But when I look at their schedule and when I look at the entire thing, I just don't, I see them as a nine and three team. That's, I see them losing three games on their schedule. I see them losing right out the gate to LSU. LSU is by and far you you could put you could combine Clemson and Florida State's talent, and they still wouldn't touch LSU's talent at this point. And as at this point of where they are, um, I think Clemson and Florida State that's a toss up, like we've already said. But my the kicker where I have have them losing more is in November is I have them losing to Pitt at Pitt in November, a Florida team going into Pittsburgh in the middle of November or in November is usually doesn't bode well for them. They don't like, they just, it never bodes well. I don't think, I think that's an advantage Pittsburgh almost all day long. Um, And then I think Florida's going to beat them. I think Florida's going to beat them in the rivalry week of the last game of the season. But, I mean, I'm probably going to eat my words as soon as Florida comes out and lays a duck the first three weeks of the season or something. And I'm like, well, that's going to shoot me in the foot. But as of right now, I see them losing three games on this schedule. Uh, as far as everything else goes, I don't know. Like I, like I said, like we've already talked about, they're essentially bringing back all of their offensive production. So, I mean, as far as that goes, I don't see any fall off. Um, uh, the, their top 15, their top 15 DN, 
uh, that's probably going to be going in the draft uh, this coming year is legit. Jared Verse, he's going to be he's going to be a tough he's going to be a tough one for our offensive ones to handle. But at the end of the day, nine and three is the best I got for this year at this point in time. Yeah, that's that's savage. I'll tell you that. A lot of Florida State fans might uh, might get a little squirrely at you if, if they catch you on that one, uh, but I, I I could see it happening. I mean, they you know who knows who knows how they'll they'll handle it. They've got all the pressure in the world on them right now. Uh, they're trying to regain that Florida State you know name. They're trying to get back to where they were. Uh, that, that's that's not easy, and uh, we'll see if Mike Norvell can you know can handle the squad and, and keep them squared away. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I think they're going to challenge Clemson, uh, but it, it's going to come down to that game and it's going to be a, a slugfest. Uh, LSU obviously is the test to, to start. If Florida state hangs in there, keeps it tight. All right. They're to me, then they're going to be a playoff contender. Uh, but if, if they don't go in and get their doors blown off then it's over for them. Um, Shifting down now, we got number seven, uh, Penn State. <laughs> we're bringing them in. We're, we're bringing them in. Uh, you know, I like I said, I don't think too much about Penn State, you know, but, you know, I have to I have, I got to talk about them. Uh, no, I, I respect Penn State. I love the whiteout. Uh, they're, they're a tough team to play. Uh, they return their entire offensive line. They're stout up front. They've got great running backs. Uh, their defense, you know, is solid. Like, like they usually have a solid defense. Um, the biggest question though is Drew Alar. How is he going to do replacing Sean Clifford? He, who got a lot of flack when he was there, but I mean, this guy, he was always steady for him. He always did well for, for Penn state. So how do you replace a, you know, fifth year? It seemed like friggin' uh, Clifford was at Penn state for 10 years. You know, yeah. it seemed like that guy was always there. So how do you replace that? Uh, they've got a good schedule coming up. West Virginia to start. I, I see Penn State getting through that one, but you never know. I mean, it's an opening game. We'll see the new quarterback, you know. Uh, Big Ten openers at Illinois. Illinois might be a feisty team. But then it's at Ohio State, which is always tough. And then they got Michigan at home. They're going to do a whiteout game, but it's going to be a big noon kickoff. So you kind of lose that vibe, you know, of the, the night game at Penn State, that whiteout. Uh, I, I think Penn State's going to contend, but I don't, I don't see them breaking through the Ohio State-Michigan uh, beast right now. If you're looking for 10-win seasons, then Penn State is the best team in the country at doing that. But they're the, they're always going to be the third best team in the Big Ten, and I just don't view. I don't see them getting through Ohio State and Michigan. They could be seven and zero when they play Ohio State, and they could be ten and zero when they play Michigan. But I just don't see them getting past both of them. Replacing Sean Clifford, like you said, he got a lot of flack, but he was a he was a reliable quarterback. I felt like. He done what was needed to do, you know. He did what he needed to do, and you know, I, I never seen anything wrong with him. But I don't see them getting through this unscathed. I don't see them making the college football playoff. Um, 
they could they could end up being, like I said, eleven and one at best. I mean that's absolute best case scenario for them. And but more realistically, I see them losing three to four games, nine and four, ten and yeah. three, something like that. You know, or ten and two. So with Penn State, I also <laughs> so <laughs> elephant in the room. Yes, Trevor fucked up. Wrong team. I was looking at power rankings, not the actual rankings. My bad. Anyway, moving on. So since 2013, Penn State has been playing OSU and Michigan in the same season, and they have yet to go 2-0 against both teams. No matter what the situation is, no matter if they're away or home, they have never gone 2-0. And I don't think it's going to change, like y'all said. But I have them at, at, at four losses. I have them at Illinois loss. I have them at Ohio State and Michigan. And then I have Michigan State beating them at Michigan State. Because I think that Penn State's going to be so demoralized after the season that they're about to have. That when they roll into Michigan State, Michigan State's going to take advantage because they're a bunch of gangster mofos. And that's all they do. They're a bunch of thugs. That's all they do is try and beat up on people that don't. They're hurting or by themselves in a tunnel. Oh, bringing the tunnel in from last year. They did. They assaulted players. That's true. I mean, you know, it it did happen. Look it up. Watch the video. Uh, Yeah, Sparty, they they are – they thrive on that chip on their shoulder. They're they're feisty. I mean, okay, so just looking at the schedule, they would be only a week week or two weeks removed from getting their ass handed to them by Michigan. So I feel like that's their only way, their only outlet is to just take it out on the other two teams <laughs> that they play to finish out the year. And I'm not trying to be – I'm not really trying to be funny or throw shade. I, I just truly believe that I just see that that's the way it's going to play out is that Penn State is going to get demoralized. They're going to have an early loss to Illinois that will kill their ranking, completely plump, plummet it. Even though Illinois is kind of on that cusp of being top 25, I think they're going to end up flip-flopping. I think Ohio State or Penn State's going to lose. They're going to get down to at least to the bottom bottom of the top 25, and Illinois is going to shoot up into the mid, mid-range of the top 25 at that point in time. But, like Blake said, there, there's a potential for four, maybe even five losses in, this, in their schedule. Because they still do have Iowa, and if Iowa gets their shit together, like they're they're a dangerous team as well. So that's just the way I see. I the more I've heard a lot of people talk about how oh, their Big Ten is so top heavy. I don't see it that way. I don't see SEC that way. I don't see the SEC that way either anymore. There may be a few teams. There's I, I know SEC has their Rutgers. They have their Indianas that are on the cusp. They they would be relegated if this was soccer. They would be relegated. But for the most part, the SEC is a strong conference from the middle teams to the top teams, which is essentially a majority of the conference, just like the Big Ten is. And they're only getting stronger with the real uh, with everybody coming in. So that's where, I, that's where I view it as, is that the entire Big Ten, with the schedule that they have for, the, for Penn State, I, I see them four losses. 
that's that's the best best case scenario is three losses, but more than more than likely four. Yeah, I, I think it's fair, uh, especially with the uh, new quarterback and James Franklin. I you know he he's a good coach, but he always has those moments in big games. You know, he, I feel like he chokes them away. Blake, you agree? Yeah. I've always thought he was like that. He's uh I've always called him a ten win coach. That's he can get you to ten, but he's he just can't seem to get over that hump. Yeah. I I think that's totally fair. And we'll see if they can do it. I don't know if they can with a new quarterback though. Uh I know he's a five star, you know, he's a he's a big, big recruited kid, but it's not easy uh, playing in the Big Ten and, and trying to do that with all that weight on your shoulders. Uh, so we will see. Uh, big team last year, Heisman winning quarterback, USC, number six. They returned to a loaded team. They're talented. Uh, they, they had a rough bowl game. Uh, bowl games don't matter, though, uh, this season. Uh, they, they've got – they brought in a lot of transfers. Uh, <laughs> they – you know, they're trying to help out Caleb Williams, you know, on the, the offensive side of the ball. They brought in some really good re- uh, receivers from the transfer portal. Defense, again, last year was was rough, though. Very bad. Uh, 94th nationally in scoring defense. They were eighth worst in yards per play. And uh, now they got some transfers, you know, to help. I, I believe a Georgia transfer came in. A couple guys from coast to coast, really, to come to come help out. Is it? <laughs> They believe in, in Lincoln Riley and the program. They think that they can make a good playoff run here. And they should have even last year. But they let Utah get the best of them twice. Uh, now, can Utah do it this year? I initially think so. But if uh, Cam Rising isn't, you know, available, then, you know, Utah's going to have some problems. Uh, USC, though, they don't have any test on that schedule until late. They do play Notre Dame, I think, midseason. But before that, they've got a long they've got a long runway to really get their feet under them, you know, really get this team vibing together. Uh, and then w- once they get towards the end of the season, it's Utah, it's Washington, it's Oregon, then UCLA, which is a rivalry game. I mean that that's a tough slate right there for anybody. Uh, so I, I mean they're going to have to come out of there with just one loss, especially late. You cannot lose late in these playoffs. Uh, scenarios because it'll knock you out, and we saw it last year. Yeah, one thing out in the the Pac-12 for sure, uh, it always seems like when there's a, a team like USC, these teams like Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, they'll come out and shock a team. You know, it's it's happened year after year in that conference. Um, I think Utah is probably. I think they're the strongest case to win that conference. Uh, if, you, if they can get, even if they get past Utah, like you said, from mid-October, they play Notre Dame October 14th. After that, it's Utah, Cal, Washington, Oregon, UCLA. That is a tough slate, even if those teams are not at their peak. I just don't see it. I see them losing two, two to I just uh, – I don't see it. And I, I don't think they'll all be at the end of the season either. I think they will lose to, like, a Arizona State or Colorado. I mean, we don't know what Colorado is going to do this year. Primetime, baby. <laughs> My dark horse is going to come through and upset USC right out the gate and start the, start the floodgates. Even, 
Look, I have them. I have in my. <laughs> hey, I, I take two. I'm gonna just ride that ride until I die. <clears throat> but um, I have in my notes that USC's a Pac-12 champ or bust. So if they do anything other than win the Pac-12, it is, it's a it's a crap season. So um, couple couple tidbits that I picked up actually today. One, which could be interesting after the season is that USC is introducing a new athletic director. I don't know how much that's going to play into anything, but I just figured I'd make a mention of it since it's USC and we're talking about them. But I I honestly think if Lincoln Riley can't get it done with a Heisman quarterback and bringing in, what is it? I Shoot. I have, I have five players of note all on the defensive side of the ball that they brought in. So let's see. They got Barry Alexander from Georgia, Anthony Lucas from Texas A&M, and Jack Sullivan from Purdue. Uh, two, two of them are 6'5", 275-pound D linemen. The other one, Barry Alexander, 6'3", 300 pounds. And then they have Christian Roland Wallace and then Traquan Fagans from Alabama, yeah. both of which are very nice-sized corners. One's six one, the other one's six foot. They should be better. Almost in every aspect, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So, with that said, if there is any upset in this in this schedule, I think it's Colorado. I don't consider Notre Dame if they beat USC an upset as of right now. Utah, I think they will beat them, and I think Washington might pull it out too. I think Washington is a more complete team than USC is. Oregon, I don't think they're sniffing much this year, to be perfectly honest. I just don't think they got it. And UCLA, I mean, whatever. Good luck, Chip Kelly. Whatever. Uh, you ain't got it either. <laughs> oh, man. It's got to be this year. If Lincoln Raleigh's going to do it, it's got to be this year for him because um, once they enter that new world, it's a uh, – I think it's going to be an eye-opener for USC. I completely agree. Big Ten is a whole different beast than that. They will be a 6-6. Six six. You know, I mean, don't, they could do better than that, but it'll be different. It'll be a different world for them. Yeah. Yeah, and, th- I mean, right now, this is, this is it for the Pac-12. I mean, there's talks about, you know, still Cal and Stanford going to the ACC, uh, right. Beeves and, and Wazoo, you know, maybe going to the American, to the Mountain West. Who knows what's going to happen? So this might be our last chance with the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 Act of Dark. So th- this could be a crazy year for them. Trevor? Yeah, I just wanted to add one more thing. I just wanted to add one more thing. Just to everyone that's out there listening, I know we're talking a lot of shit about a lot of these teams, but for real, enjoy this season. That's about to start. Because it's the last one that you, from what you know, the, this year is the last season that, from what we all know and grew up watching. It's forever going to be changed. For for all we know, two years from now, it could be north, south, east, west, and that's it. Where It's like the minor leagues for the NFL as far as, I, like, that's, that's the route that I feel like it's going, but I don't want it to. But just in, everyone just enjoy this season for what it's for what it is. If yeah. someone had told you uh, 
that a conference was going to dissolve, I would have never thought it would have been the Pac-12 or the ACC. I mean, I never would have thought that those are the conferences that would be going away. Like the Big East, I could have, you know, you could see that. You could make a case for that. The ACC, even, I could see splitting just because there's so many teams that could go north and west in that conference there. But like the Pac-12 sending teams, you know, 1,500 miles away, you just, you don't think that a conference that has such big names in it would falter. Yeah, and, you know, we we watched it happen with the Big 12. I thought they were going to explode as soon as Texas and OU left. I thought they were done. But they had a proactive, uh, not GM, but uh, commissioner. And this guy went out and he grabbed schools. He bolstered their, their team. He tried. He worked a TV deal. The Pac-12 was stagnant. They didn't do anything. And now look at what's going on. So yeah. this, all this college football is, is an arms arms race. You know, uh, there's money involved. Everybody wants the, the brand teams that are going to, you know, play well. They're going to bring in money. They're going to bring in viewers. So Pac-12, I mean, they got somebody in new. They're trying to figure out how to save the, the conference so this, but this could be it for them. So USC's got a chance to be the last, you know, Pac-12 champion, Pac-10 champion, Pac-4, whoever they are now. You know, this is it. Let's see. Let's make it a good year. Let's see what happens. I don't know if they'll do it. But they've got the talent to, and so we'll, we'll see. Uh, next team though, shifting down to the, the SEC, the SEC West champion from last year, LSU, shocked a lot of people. But they they got an awesome quarterback in Jaden Daniels. Came in from Arizona State. We knew he was a gamer there, but seeing him do it in the SEC is totally different. Uh, so what he did last year, he's got five linemen coming back. We got Nabbers out wide, who's a beast. Uh, I, I think I think they have a very good chance at repeating uh, to win the the SEC West and even taking it to Georgia. Now, I mean, that's a tough task. We all know that. But if they can just get that run game figured out a little bit more so that Daniels uh, doesn't have to run so dang much. I mean, he was their leading rusher. Uh, you you want to bubble wrap him, man. You want to keep him around. You know, obviously, you got to use him. You know, that's that's part of your offense. But if, if he's down, then, then your season's done. They did get some help in the portal. Uh, but they, they've got a tough schedule, man. It's, you know, Florida State, yeah, Mississippi State, which I think is a dangerous little team in, in the in the SEC there. Uh, not a lot of people talking about them, but I think they've, they've got potential to really uh, shake it up. Ole Miss is a team we talked about last episode. Obviously, Bama's ultra-talented. Uh, got to work in that new quarterback, but Bama's always a game. And you got Florida, which, again, I, I keep highlighting Florida because I don't know what Florida's going to be. Graham Mertz was fine at Wisconsin. Is he going to have a change? I don't know, but uh, that, that's always a tough one. And then A&M, they're another random they, – they could go 6-6, six and 5-7 six, and seven like last year, or they, they could win 10, you know, 11 games. Who knows? Who knows what TAMU's going to do? So they LSU's got a brutal schedule. I don't know if they're going to survive it, guys. Yeah, I think on the SEC West, that is probably – one of the divisions in all of college football this season where 
I think there's four or five different teams that could win the West. I, I mean, there's an argument for each one of them. I mean, LSU specifically, their schedule is probably one of the tougher schedules in college football this year. Just their out of conference, other than Florida State, isn't really much. But they've got A&M at the end of the season. They're at Alabama. Auburn's going to be a tough game with Hugh Freeze. He's just his coaching ability. Ole Miss, I, I just see LSU dropping one or two of those games. But, I mean, they've got the talent to, to win them all, too. It's It just depends on how good these other teams are. A lot of new coaches and a lot of new faces at every team in the SEC West. So, yeah. it's um, it's going to be a very back-and-forth division all season. It could even be something where, like, a 9-3 and three team is the SEC West winner, which is unusual. Yeah. Yeah, I, I – I, I did the dark horse thing with LSU. I picked him as my dark horse. I did. And then, you know, I started doing the look at him. <laughs> and, well, let's just say um, I'm questioning myself <laughs> from just a few days ago. <laughs> they've got a good quarterback. I feel like they've got a great quarterback, honestly. I think that there is an argument to be made if he has a season – like I think he can have, that he could be a Heisman contender. Um, I I really do think he he is that kind of talent, but I I I just FSU, Ole Miss, and Bama are going to be the games where if they can win those three games, and only like if they win those three games, they would be cruising because those are in my opinion they're milestones so you got obviously Florida State right out the gate right then you got uh, September 30th you have at Ole Miss so if you walk out of Ole Miss with a win at that point in time I feel like that you they're pretty much on easy street for lack of a better term all the way to Alabama and if they walk away from Alabama with a win that would I think that would propel them to finish out the season on a winning streak because with all of the talk of the schedule, which is, it is a difficult schedule, no doubt about it. And I'm overlooking Arkansas who has their freaking brain fart of a great game. Everyone, every year, they always pull it out of their ass somewhere in their schedule. They throw a monkey wrench into the whole works, <laughs> but I I did I was just looking at this. I was like, man, they, they only have four away games. I don't know if that's standard. I feel like that's not a lot at all, to be perfectly honest. When you have majority of your games are home games, I feel like it's oh, yeah. a good thing. And I just – I don't see Texas – like, I know we're talking about Texas and I'm being sneaky. I think they're pieces of shit. I don't think they're any good. Like, like, like – I don't know. I, like, it pisses me off so much that these guys are in the top twenty-five. I'm sorry. It just makes me so freaking angry. They paid somebody at the NCAA and the AP to throw their asses in there just to make them look good for a freaking week until they lose. Um, but whatever. Well, I, uh, I digress. I disagree. I think. But LSU. No, I know you disagree. I know you disagree, Mister. My Texas A&M's a dark horse. What the fuck? 
Um, when they take down, oh my God! They take down LSU at the end of the season. You can walk that back. <laughs> there it is, boys. Uh, I no, I, I'm throwing. I know I'm throwing shade. I'm throwing shade because it's fun to throw shade on these guys. Because I just never really liked Texas A&M in general. But okay, back to the topic. LSU. They are good. They need to win the three main games. Florida State. Ole Miss and Alabama, and I think they win the West all day long. I don't think they win the West. I don't think they beat Texas A and M. So hang on, hang on. Let me let me get this straight. So if you think it, hypothetical now, if they win those three games and they hold serve on almost everything, but they lose to Texas A and M the last game of the season. You don't think they still win the West? If they beat Alabama and Ole Miss, then yeah, they will. But I don't think they're going to beat Alabama and Ole Miss and okay. Texas A&M. I don't. Okay, seriously, why do you, why are you so high on Texas A&M over Ole Miss? I'm curious. I'm not any higher over A&M than I am on Ole Miss. I just think Texas A&M has had the pieces in place. I just think Jimbo Fisher has been what's holding them back offensively. They they get these big-time recruits year in and year out. I think having Petrino there, if he actually gets to call the offense, I think they will be a lot year away from what they were last year. I think they'll be putting up points left and right. Didn't they, didn't they lose like 50% of their top? Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> didn't they lose like this <laughs> oh, what, what did we talk about? Trevor, stop interrupting. Yeah, well, I just did it. Anyway, moving on. But no, didn't they lose like 50% of the top recruits that they had from the year before to the transfer portal? They lost several. Yeah, I, was, I, was like, I think they lost like six five stars that they had the previous year because they sucked. But these guys got paid so much money. They, like I think you even said last broadcast, these guys are going to the school to get money, not to play for the school. The prior year, the, you're seeing yeah. that. I think the culture shifting there now. That was uh, when the NIL first started, and they had that that unheard of recruiting class that was worth like a hundred million dollars. You know, it. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the class that. They came in, drove the school into the ground. They lost, like, five games. The players started benching themselves and leaving in the middle of a game to go eat at a restaurant and, you know, that kind of thing. So those guys were gone. And and I'm not advocating that I like Texas A&M. I don't. I hate everything about them. <laughs> but I think I do like Bobby Petrino. And I think he's a good coach. He's been a good coach everywhere he's went. The dude knows how to score. And that's what Texas A&M's problem is. They're not able to put points on the board because Jimbo Fisher's a flat play caller. And if they can score. I do. I do. I, I'll tell you what. I do. I do agree with you there. I think Petrino is above and beyond one of the best play callers in the country. 100% all day long. All, all day long. But like you said, Jimbo Fisher's there. And he's an egomaniac. Yeah. And he, I almost will guarantee it. If times get hard, he's going to think that he can, he knows best, and he'll try and take over the offense, and it won't work. Yeah. If that doesn't happen, then I think they will have a successful season. If he does do that, 
I, I don't think it's much better than last year. Let, let me chime in here, gentlemen. I agree with you. I love this conversation, how we're, <laughs> we're breaking down LSU, and then we just <laughs> go on this tangent, just ripping into Texas A&M. Poor Jake, Jake, our buddy, he's he's gonna have an aneurysm if he if he listens Good. to this. I, you know, it's uh, you know, it's it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I don't know, but texting them, it reminds me of not necessarily ex- exactly the way, but the Jim Harbaugh effect. You know, uh, Jim Harbaugh was setting his ways at Michigan. Uh, he ran a certain offense, but it just wasn't doing exactly what it needed to. He went in and he hired a new coordinator. He broke down his pride and went and got somebody. And now they won back-to-back Big Ten championships. I think Texas A&M is doing the same thing. If Jimbo lets Petrino do what he needs to do, you could see a totally different team than what we saw last year. And if if that's the case, the SEC is going to be a wide-open conference because Texas A&M is going to knock somebody off. Uh, it, it just remains to be seen. And that's what we said last last week when we did the show was, I want to see them prove it. Let, let's see them prove it. Uh, no more hype. I want to, I want to prove it. Um, LSU, though, again, back, kind of rolling back into it. Uh, they've got a chance here. Uh, they've got the talent. Could they repeat, you know, for the West Championship? I, I think it's very possible. But that schedule is going to set up really poorly for them. Uh, rolling on. We're going to shift over. Number four, we got Alabama. Our uh, our resident Bama fan, uh, Blake, he, he's going to let us know about him some more. But obviously, let, losing Bryce Young is tough. Uh, Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield is tough. I mean, that dude's a, a slot ninja. He's going he's gonna to be great for the Lions. Uh, they brought in Tommy Reese. You know, they, they've got some stuff going for them. But they play Texas. They play Ole Miss, TAMU, Tennessee, LSU, and, of course, Auburn at the end. So, uh, Blake, what what you think? Let us know. Let us know about Bama. How are they going to do? I don't know. We've uh, – there's – I see two question marks with Alabama, but they're very key positions. So, quarterback, obviously, Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, and now there's a uh, – there's another young name that's popped up here in the in the last few weeks, but uh, I, I still think Milrow's going to get the start. I still think he'll probably end up being the guy for the season, uh, just based off of experience. And let, which we don't know because we're not going to know anything. Saban's not going to go hold a press conference and say, "Yeah, and th- we're starting this guy. He's going to be the guy all season." If you look historically, we have. We've changed quarterbacks multiple times, you know, and like with Jake Coker's season, we played Cooper Bateman two or three games, then Coker would get benched. Cooper Bateman would come in, then we'd pull him back out. Coker would go back in. We ended up winning a national championship with Jake Coker. Uh, same thing with Jalen Hurts, back and forth with Blake Barnett. Um, then Tua comes in, rescues Jalen. The next year, Jalen comes in and saves Tua. So the past few years <clears throat> has been um, – Aside from Mac Jones, you have to go back to A.J. McCarron when Alabama had a stable quarterback yeah. um, as a team, like without changing in and out and arguing over who's the guy. Um, but where we're strong, running backs, we are so deep at running back. Uh, I think our offensive line is solid. Our receiving course probably one of the best 
in the SEC, if not one of the best in the nation. Defensively, our secondary, again, super strong. Um, we got questions up front. I think uh, we struggled there the past few seasons under Pete Golding, tackling senseless penalties. But the talent has been what saved us, just raw athleticism. So I think having Kevin Steele come back, that's going to be a tremendous help because he's a very fundamental guy. He teaches basics, and he is he's by the book on things. And uh, every, for the most part, everywhere he's been has had a solid defense. I mean, he was uh, he's been with Bama before. He's been with Saban before. He was with, I believe, the national championship Auburn team uh, with Cam Newton. I believe he was their coordinator there. Um, he just, he does a pretty solid job. We've um, <coughs> our schedule. That's going to be what gets us, I think. I don't know that Bama can go undefeated this year. It's the the West is going to be hard. I just I don't see an undefeated season for Bama. I know some people think they're going to win it all, and every Bama fan is obviously going to want them to win it all. Realistically, I see best case scenario we're a one loss team, but realistically, I see us dropping two, maybe three. It just depends on quarterback play. You know, I'll, I'll be able to tell you after Texas for sure yeah. how we play in that game and how we handle that game is uh, that'll say a lot about what kind of team we're going to have this year. So we'll see. Yeah. God, man, I'll tell you what. I want to. I, I want to say that that Bam is going to rock it, but I don't know Tommy Reese from a hole in the ground. So I'm curious <laughs> to see on how he calls everything. Um, so, uh, as far, as far as I'm concerned, he's a new commodity. And as far as I'm concerned, he's unproven. Um, but knowing Nick Saban, he doesn't usually make wrong decisions about his staff. Um, well, uh, well hmm. I was going to yeah. well, I don't know. Well, uh, I, I will say that I'm not a big fan of him having uh, a certain coach that was on his staff. Uh, but I think he's back to the NFL now. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think I think honestly, looking at their schedule, LSU is a problem and Texas is a problem. I think Alabama can handle everybody else. Personal, like I, like we've already we've already talked about it, but I, we all think pretty much that LSU is probably. The only team that could probably go toe to toe with Bama and Georgia, and still be breathing after all of that, like, and still have the depth to handle that kind of a game, that knockdown dragout game. Oh, um, and that's that's where I that's where I have that's where I have Alabama right now. I have them at eleven and one, maybe ten and two, um, with one of with them losing one or both of those games. I think. Having uh, Tommy Reese will make a, a di big difference. I know a lot of people, I hear it all the time with Bama fans, well, they was averaging 45 points a game. And, yeah, that's true, whatever. But the way that Bill O'Brien was calling games, and, he, and even going back to, like, Brian Dable, it was, it was just raw athleticism that was causing these plays. Like, Bryce Young rolling out, you know, making a play, extending a play to 12, 15 seconds, whatever giving our guys time to get open, making plays. 
but schematically we are not like we was 10, 12 years ago, back in 09, 11, 13, where we would just run it down your throat, wear you out, play calling, hit them over the top for a, on play action. You know, we haven't been that team in a long time. And I think, I think we've got the pieces to do it. I just worry about quarterback for that. Defensively, I'm, I'm really not too concerned about it. I think we'll be able, we'll be fine defensively. It can't be worse than what we had under Golding. So my my biggest question for Bama is quarterback play. If we can get consistency out of one of them, I think I think we could go, you know, 11 and 1. And we could go undefeated. I just don't see it. I'm trying to be realistic about it. And it's it's a tough schedule to do that with a new quarterback, but we've done it before. So we'll see. And that's the one thing is uh, Bama reloads, just like uh, next team, Ohio State. Uh, another team, man, they, they never fall off. That, you know, it, it kills us inside, obviously, Trevor, but that's just that's just how they are. They recruit very well. They never fall off except for the one fickle year where, you know, where they had that, that's, that season. But uh, even that, that was still just a, a random occurrence. You know, they don't lose – they, they don't have losing seasons uh, historically. But could this be the first year, you know, in a while where that, that quarterback changeup is going to, you know, affect them? I, I think it very well could. But these guys have been in the program. Uh, you know, it's quarterback battle between McCord and Brown. Uh, I, I think it, I think it's going to shake them up just a little bit. But they still have elite talent. They've got great wide receivers. I mean, Heisman hopeful, Marvin Harrison Jr., the dude is a monster. I mean, he, he's going to the league. We, there's no doubt about it. The biggest question on for Ohio State, though, is that offensive line, getting them squared away, protecting the quarterback, giving them time, uh, especially going up against, you know, Penn State's edge rushers, Michigan's front. Uh, you know, can they can they get through that? Uh, that that's a big question up front is the O-line. Defense, you know, they've got players, they've got gamers, but when they played Georgia and Michigan, they were getting gashed. And, uh, you know, they brought in a new D coordinator last year to try and save the problem because Michigan gashed them the year before too. But it didn't happen. Uh, They gave up 44 points a game and nine yards per play against Michigan and Georgia just in those two games. And, yeah, they were still a kick away from playing for the the title. So, you know, this, this team just doesn't die. Uh, as much as you might want them to. Uh, they do play Indiana to start the season. That's always a tricky starting game, uh, opening up in Big Ten play, no warm-ups, cast right into the fire, and uh, Indiana is always a danger team. Then you got Notre Dame later in the season. Obviously, you got versus Penn State. You know, they're at home. They're playing at Wisco, going to Camp Randall. Wisco's at that team, man. I think that they could cause a lot of problems. Uh, in the playoff, can you know, anyway, but also in the Big Ten. And then, obviously, final game at Michigan. It's going to be it's gonna be a, a battle, just like it has been, until that, maybe a couple plays just open it up. So we'll, we'll see what Ohio State can do, but you know they're going to be right in it. it. It doesn't matter. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're going to completely crap the bed this year. Uh, but I just – they historically don't do it. Uh so we'll see. We'll see what happens with them. I think uh, Ohio State's in a very similar position as Bama was in 
in the SEC in the Big Ten. They've got a lot of talent. Um, you could argue they've got one of the best receiving cores in college football. It's just, are they going to get the consistency? And I, I don't like Ohio State either. I mean, you don't have to be a Michigan fan to hate Ohio State. I think everybody hates Ohio State except Ohio yeah. State fans and ESPN. And fair. Uh, <laughs> But I agree with you about their defense. They get gashed a lot. And if, if you look at all the games they lose, it, not even just last year, I'm under Ryan Day, just in general, uh, Purdue slaughtered them that year. Yeah. Um, they, they, get, they get gashed. They struggle to stop teams that can run the ball consistently. And I think that happens again this year. But just because of the name, they'll, they'll be at the top year in and year out. Even at the end of the season, they're one of the few teams that can lose a late season game and still get in. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a. I think that's probably one of the most frustrating things. Frustrating things about Ohio State more so than any other team in the country. Even though there's plenty of other teams that people love to hate, USC, Alabama, everybody <laughs> loves to hate the winners. Um, and now, I mean, Michigan being successful two years in a row, all of a sudden now all the haters are coming out left and right. But um, for Ohio State, I have all of their hardest games uh, happening away. I hated Michigan when they sucked, too. So <laughs> I didn't wait for them to start winning. I, of course you did. I knew it was coming. Anyway, <laughs> throwing my train of thought off, because now all I want to do is argue. Oh, okay. Anyway. Coming up uh -huh. next. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up next, a bunch of arguing happening between Blake and Trevor. Fantastic. Um, no, uh, hardest games are the way games. Hardest games are the way games. <laughs> and uh, I have them going uh, two losses. Uh, but that's pretty much all I got. I mean, everything else you guys already covered with the Ohio State. That's yeah, about it. I, I think it's potential for two. Um, again, just like what we said about other teams replacing quarterback, it depends on the dang quarterback. Uh, another team that's returning a quarterback, though, Big Ten championship team. We, we love to say it here, but Michigan, number two, they return a lot of – they return so much. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, we know he's a gamer. He made some mistakes in the playoffs that cost him the game. And I think he'll tell you that himself. Uh, you know, TCU, they let TCU hang around. TCU's a great team, not taking it from them. They won the game, but Michigan killed themselves in that game. Uh, they've got the potential. They've got Corum back, Edwards. They've got, arguably, I think they do have the best running backs in the country. Yeah. Wide receivers, a little lacking when you look at big names, and you know, but the talent is there with um, – you know, with Roman Wilson out there and Cornelius Johnson, uh, they bolstered the offensive line again, just like Harbaugh did the year before with the transfer portal. And I, I think that's where Harbaugh is really making his money is his transfer portal. He can recruit well, and, and they have been, but they're they just they never historically are recruiting the number one class, the number two. It's it just doesn't happen there. But they're they are getting you know top fifteen, top ten. But if they can do go in and keep racking up, you know, big name players in the transfer portal like they did again this year, especially on that O line, they're going to be dangerous year in and year out. So if they can keep pounding the rock, 
They got some help on on defense at linebacker through the portal with a young uh, freshman on Nebraska who is really really came on late. Uh, I think they've got a chance to repeat, you know, third time you know in a row. Uh, they've got a very favorable schedule. Uh, the first one, the really test that they're going to deal with is Nebraska, at Nebraska. We don't know what Nebraska is going to be. That Matt Rule's there, totally new team. Uh, Michigan's going to have a couple games, you know, week out of conference schedule to, to uh, you know, kind of gel. And then, of course, you got rivalry game at Michigan State, at Penn State, and then at home versus Ohio State, which is huge. Uh, I, I think they've got a chance here, guys. There's one name that I think that needs to be watched for Michigan, and I don't. I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but Tommy Doman. The punter. I think he's going to see a lot of action this year because I think Michigan is going to be flat. I've got them going four and eight. Um, I don't see them being, I mean, they're going to have a lot of challenges this year. Uh, Bowling Green could give them some trouble. Rutgers, always a tough one. Um, now, in reality, I think Michigan is probably the national champion this year. I hate to say it. It burns my mouth to say it. But I think they've got the best team top to bottom, barring anything they do to hurt themselves. Uh, one game that I would circle on their schedule, well, two games really, would be the at Michigan State and at Penn State. Just, I just think those are the kind of games that Michigan historically has struggled with at just random points during the season. And they're both away games. And Michigan's got a lot riding on it. They don't do it often, so I don't know how that pressure will affect them, so we'll see. But I do think that they're the best top-to-bottom team in college football this year. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to add. They they got solid transfers on the O-line, linebacker, and D-line, which will help them replace some players from last year. I don't – my biggest question mark, and I know it's going to sound silly to say it's a question mark, but I want to see J.J. McCarthy grow from last year. I want to see better decision-making. I want to see him take more control of the offense than what he did last year. Because last year, while it was good, you saw the flaws from a young quarterback against TCU on a big stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the minor mistakes became major mistakes. So I want to see that growth. And I think if he grows, the rest of the team will grow with him. I think he is a natural leader, and I think he does have that a pulse of the team. So I think they they go where JJ goes, as far as I can, as far as I look at it. And obviously, the running back situation is going to help them out, help him out a lot. Yeah, and word word out of there is that you know they ran it so heavy last year. They're still going to lean on that run game, but from what it sounds like out of camp and everything else is that they're going to let JJ try to air it out early, get this man, you know, even more comfortable throwing the ball, slinging it downfield. You know, last year they didn't do that. He was young. They, they knew they had a run game. They knew they could pound it, but now to win the big one, you're going to have to go and throw maybe three, 400 yards in the game. And uh, he did it against TCU, but he also made the mistakes. So like Trevor said, Get some growth in there. See if JJ can make that jump. And uh, you've got two potential, you know, Heisman candidates on the team. You know, 
Uh, you got Corum and then JJ if he actually does it. Moving on, Georgia, number one, rightfully so. Uh, back-to-back national champions. You know, it's it's hard not to have them at number one. And, and they they have so much talent. They've just been recruiting like crazy. They get transfers that they want. You know, they, they can do whatever they want to right now. They are the leaders of the SEC. They got guys nipping at their, you know, at their heels. Obviously, Bama wants that title back. LSU's trying. Uh, but UGA just, they're, they're it right now. But they do replace Stetson Bennett, which is going to be hard. Everybody, you know, crapped on Stetson Bennett, you know. But the dude was a gamer. I mean, he, he could make plays like, you're just like, what? How? How does this guy do it? I mean, you look at him, you're like, what? This guy? I, I hate, <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to be rude, but God dang, man. You look at him, you're like, what? This freaking guy is over here, you know, slinging the rock like this or juking people out? Like, come on, man. How does he do it? And uh, I don't know. Carson Beck just got named the starting quarterback. So that, that's big for them. He's been in the, you know, he's been in the program for a while. So we'll see what they got. It, it, it all leans on him. Yeah, Georgia, what they've got going for them is not only, like you said, the talent, but their schedule. There is no reason barring a Tennessee or Ole Miss upset, there is no reason Georgia doesn't go undefeated. I mean, if they get quarterback figured out, I think you see a Georgia-Michigan national championship. Yeah, I completely agree. Hey, guys, I got a quick trivia question for you real quick. When was the last time a three-peat happened? It was like 19, like 47, something. It was like the 30s with uh, Minnesota. Yeah. Best – you got it. You got it. Minnesota in uh, 34, 35, and 36. Uh, it was the last time it's happened. So I don't think it's going to happen this, yeah. with Georgia. Even though their hardest hardest game is in, I don't even know if you can consider it. Ole Miss is their hardest game. Tennessee ain't crap. They're going to they're gonna crap the bed by the time these guys, they get to, they get to <laughs> Georgia. Like, seriously. Oh, and then the Georgia Tech, I don't see them giving them a problem, even though it's an away game. Like, you know, Carson Beck, I've seen a few videos of him, like of the plays in camp and stuff like that. He can move. He's a, he's a lot more mobile than uh, than Stetson yeah. was. Uh, but outside of that, like some of the balls he was throwing did not look clean at all. Like, and that's where I that's where I think I just don't know if he's got what it takes to bring them all the way back through the SEC championship and through the playoff to get them back to the national championship. One benefit that he does have though is the week schedule that they have. He'll get a lot of experience playing in these games, and by the time they're facing these tier teams like Florida, Ole Miss, Tennessee, he's got six seven games under his belt at that point. And I feel like he'll have it figured out by then. Kirby Smart, I mean, he's he's a good coach. I mean, there's no arguing that he's not one of the best in college football. He knows what he's doing. You know, he started Stetson Bennett. He had Jacob Easton. And uh, there was another name he had in there at some point that was a highly sought-after guy. And they both ended up transferring out. So, I mean, he's he's got an eye for talent. And it – doesn't always have to be the name brand player, you know. So, I mean, he, he knows what he's doing. And like I said, I see him 
I think we're going to see a Georgia-Michigan national championship. Yeah, I, I think it's shaping up that way. Uh, you know, every team obviously controls their destiny. You know, you got you to beat your – you can't beat yourself when it comes to, to college football. Every week matters. Even – I know we got the, new, you know, playoff. It's, 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 it's expanding, if I can speak right. Uh, but it's still – the regular season matters. You got to control your own destiny. You can't let these little trap games get affect you, especially with the overturning college football. Uh, it, it's going to be a great year, guys. And we just covered the top ten. Next week on on our next show, probably later uh, in this this uh, this week, we're going to drop another one. We're going to give you guys our uh, playoff predictions. We're going to give you guys our Heisman predictions, and we're also going to break down the week zero slate. We got football this weekend, boys. I mean, it's back. It's finally back, <laughs> and I'm I'm just so excited. I, I know uh, Blake certainly is. Trevor is. And, uh, I mean, we got guns flexing over here, boy. Look at the traps. It's crazy. I know you guys can't see it when you listen to this, but Blake's showing off, you know, what he's got. Um, so, yeah, I hope you guys turn it, tune in next week. Like I said, we're going to – or, hell, the end of this week, we're going to drop it, uh, let you guys know what we're thinking. And uh, you guys let us know what you think on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Hit us up. You know, we'd love to do mailbags or something eventually if, if we get enough. Um so, yeah, please join us and uh, keep kicking it with the grid, boys. Anybody, final thoughts? I'm good. All right. All set on this, man. Thanks for listening, everybody. Right, thanks, guys. I'm going.